Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Tuesday, May 11th, we're starting a new series here on Sharper Iron in which we will be studying the book of Jeremiah. The series is titled, A Time to Destroy and A Time to Build. Over the next three months, we will get to know the prophet quite well. Jeremiah preaches to the people of Jerusalem and Judah in their waning years, those last days leading up to the horrific Babylonian conquest. And as we probably would expect, Jeremiah exposes the faithless idolatry of God's people. He calls them to repent. He warns them that destruction is coming. But Jeremiah doesn't simply speak from the outside. He lived through those evil days of conquest and exile. Jeremiah knew the heartache and the horror of that evil time. Yet he also knew the hope of the never failing promises of the Lord, promises that have found their fulfillment in Jeremiah's Savior and ours, the righteous branch from the line of David, Jesus Christ. Today's show will take a look at Jeremiah 1 verses 1 to 3 and set the theological and historical context for the book. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us the Reverend Dr. Reed Lessing. Dr. Lessing serves as Professor of Theology and Ministry at Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota. He is also the author of a forthcoming book from Concordia Publishing House titled Overcoming Life's Sorrows, The Book of Jeremiah. Dr. Lessing, welcome to Sharper Iron. Good to be here with you, Tim. Thanks a lot. As we get started this morning, Dr. Lessing, we're jumping back into the Old Testament after not having been in the Old Testament for quite some time here on Sharper Iron. We looked at Old Testament prophets during the season of Advent, so it's been a little while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Help us get our bearings in the Old Testament leading up to where we're going to find Jeremiah. You can take us however far back you want to set that context. How does Israel get to the point where we find them in the book of Jeremiah? Wow. Well, let's start with the, um, Israel's second king, King David, since uh, Jeremiah pins uh, all of his um, hope on, on the messianic promise to uh, David and his household that uh, appears in Second Samuel 7 and First Chronicles 17. So uh, David, of course, uh, around number 1000 B.C., um, and we are talking about First and Second Samuel. Um, after David, of course, uh, all of our listeners know the next king, Solomon. Uh, and then Solomon dies, and the kingdom splits between the north and the south, uh, Rehoboam in the north and Jeroboam in the south. Uh, the northern kingdom will last another 200-plus um, years and will be exiled and destroyed uh, by the Assyrians in 721 B.C., the southern kingdom, the, the kingdom with the Davidic promises, uh, Solomon, Rehoboam, um, is going to then last until, as you said in your preface, um, August 28th, actually, uh, 587 B.C. is when the Babylonians entered uh, the city of Jerusalem and began uh, their scorched earth policy in and around uh, Jerusalem, the Solomonic Temple, etc. Um, so that's where we're at, certainly in the waning days of the uh, the Davidic um, dynasty. 
And uh, Jeremiah is going to tell us about uh, Davidic kings in the first uh, three verses that we're looking at this morning. Uh, and that would be uh, Josiah, uh, Jeremiah 1, verse 2, who's a very godly king um, and who um, has a, a reformation of sorts. Is, he is uh, cleansing the temple from his grandfather Manasseh uh, and all the idolatry there. Uh, they find the book of God's word, the book of the law, the book of the Torah, and that then leads to one of the, the greatest reformation, renewal, revival events in the Old Testament in 2 Kings 22 and 23. After Josiah, though, uh, we will be talking about uh, Jehoiakim um, and uh, Zedekiah, and uh, then with Zedekiah, Jeremiah 1, verse 3, we come to that uh, fateful day in August of 587. So that's pretty much where we're at in a, in a real quick nutshell kind of way. Yeah, that's a lot of history to summarize in just a few minutes. In, in terms of the in terms of the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, which does retain the Davidic dynasty, you, you've mentioned mm-hmm. some of the kings that are present here, and we will look at their history in a moment. How how would you characterize the nation of Judah politically, theologically, in those years from the split up till the reign of Josiah? What what was it like? What were some of the ups and downs that we see in in the history that's there in First and Second Kings? Yeah, boy, there are a lot of ups and downs. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Some of the kings are godly. Uh, That is to say they uh, support the Jerusalem temple. Uh, They're not idolaters. They worship uh, Yahweh, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the God who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, And and yet then uh, (laughs) there are very idolatrous kings who uh, fill the Jerusalem temple, like Manasseh, with uh, uh, idolatrous uh, statues and images. Uh, It's really a mixed bag. Uh, Now, in the northern kingdom, they're all idolatrous. Um, So that's definitely not the place you wanted to live. Um, But the South was kind of being on a roller coaster, up and down and all around. You just didn't know what you're going to get. For example, even in in Jeremiah's lifetime, Josiah, as we said, a very godly king. Um, In fact, we're told in 2 Kings chapter 22, he didn't turn to the right or to the left, very uh, focused on uh, the one true God. But then after uh, we've got uh, Josiah, who is unfortunately uh, uh, mowed down at a battle in Megiddo in uh, 609 BC, uh, then really after that, things go uh, downhill very quickly. Uh, There's Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah. Uh, for the, the four last kings are very duplicitous. They're idolatrous to some extent. Um, and um, then, then, of course, we have the end, uh, the exile, the destruction. Let's go ahead and, and just put the text out there from Jeremiah chapter 1 as we continue our discussion this morning. Again, Jeremiah mm-hmm. 1, verses 1 to 3. I'll read the text. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem 
in the fifth month. So that that's our text for this morning, Jeremiah 1, verses 1 to 3, this introduction to the book. Uh, we've already mentioned some of these names. Let's just try to keep our, our timeline in order here. You've mentioned mm-hmm. a couple of dates already. You said August 28th, 587 BC. That is the destruction of Jerusalem by Babylon. So what about the beginning part of Jeremiah? He references the 13th year of Josiah's reign as the beginning. What's what's the timeline there? Yeah, so that would be 627 BC. Um, and, and if we put the whole book of Jeremiah together, we have about uh, 40 years documented of uh of his ministry. Um, so yeah, you go uh, right there from uh, 627 to 587, you know, uh, 40 and probably 40 plus some because uh, Jeremiah tells us that he himself was forcibly taken to uh, Egypt against his will uh, towards the end of the book. Um, so gosh, 40 plus years that mm. uh, we have of uh, Jeremiah's life. Uh, well-documented. In, in fact, Jeremiah is the most uh, documented uh, uh, person in the Old Testament. We know more about Jeremiah than anyone else in the Old Testament. That's because he tells us so much. Mm. Um, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Um no doubt about it. Well, let's 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 talk a little bit about Jeremiah then himself. It, we we mm-hmm. find out a little bit here, and then we can dig into more of what the book you know reveals to us as as we go. But here he says he's the son of Hilkiah. He's he's among a priestly family. What do we know about Jeremiah personally? Not only from this text, but from the rest of the book. You say he's he's kind of he's one of the characters in his own book. <laughs> yeah. So let me give you some some numbers here. Um, Isaiah mentions himself by name 17 times. So you read the book of Isaiah, you're going to see Isaiah, that word, 17 times. Uh, You read Ezekiel. Ezekiel uh, just mentions himself by name twice, of course. And then we all know there are uh, really three major prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and then, of course, Jeremiah. Jeremiah mentions himself by name 125 times. Um, so Jeremiah fully participates in, in the events he describes, uh, much, uh, uh, much like, um, uh, Paul, right? If you're, if you're used to reading Paul, he can be very autobiographical, um, in places like second Corinthians one, where he says at one point he despaired of life and in, um, you know, first Thessalonians chapter two, he, he uh, tells the, the Thessalonians that he, you know, is longing to see them because they're his joy and his crown. Uh, so, so if you think about Paul uh, being vulnerable and uh, open with uh, his life and what's going on, then, then you're tied into Jeremiah. What kinds of autobiographical material do we get from Jeremiah over these 52 chapters we're going to be reading here? What do we <laughs> yeah. what do we learn about him? What does he tell us? You, you know, so he he begins, you know, telling himself about uh, uh, him, you know, who he is um, kind of famously in verse five in chapter one, where uh, Jeremiah begins before he was born. <laughs> um, God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, uh, etc. Uh, so we really 
begin with Jeremiah before Jeremiah began, right? Wow. <laughs> um, and then uh, we essentially, we don't have a lot, obviously, of his childhood, although he does uh, tell us uh, when he's called by God um, that uh, he's he's just a, a youth, if people want to turn real quickly to 1 verse 6, uh, that word youth probably means that he's about 13 or 14 years old. Mm. So essentially, the only piece to Jeremiah's life that we don't know is um, from birth to age 13 or 14. And after that, um, we know pretty much everything. He doesn't tell us about or the book itself doesn't tell us about his death. Um, so that, of course, is missing. But we have... Uh, um, you know, every indication that he died in Egypt against his will, as I said earlier. Um, he's imprisoned, he's depressed, he's uh, thrown into a waterless pit, uh, he's mocked, he's, um, in, uh, he's put in stocks for a day and a night. Um, we, we know uh, a whole lot about Jeremiah. And, and let me just, I'll conclude with this. The, the one way to, to look at Jeremiah, uh, the book, is it's a survival book, all right? And this is not just me. This is what a lot of um, uh, current scholars are doing with Jeremiah. It's a it's a book on how to survive disasters and sorrows and setbacks. And Jeremiah is the model survivor. <laughs> See, um, so how do you survive a disaster in your life? Oh. Well, you would follow Jeremiah. Uh, now, not completely. I mean, uh, Jeremiah, we follow Jeremiah because he pours his heart out and has his hope uh, in. And finally, as you said, the, the, the promised uh, Messiah from the house and lynch of David. Um, but but that's, that's a very helpful insight that I got years ago uh, to the book. Mm. Well, and I yeah. think that, that makes it a very applicable book applicable book for oh, our day does. and age. I mean, we've, uh -huh. and I, I hesitate to, to make too close of a comparison, but just the, the year of pandemic and the way that that sort of upended, it seems everything that we know mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. seems like Jeremiah would have a lot to say to us today. Exactly. And, and so uh, to read Jeremiah this way, isn't uh, absolutely unique uh, in terms of uh, understanding biblical characters along these lines. Paul, for example, uh, uh tells uh, the Corinthians, this is 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, be imitators of me. See, uh, the Greek there, of course, mimic. Uh, so biblical characters can come along and say, hey, you know, uh, do what I do, say what I say, pray how I pray. Now, of course, we they, they always then, <laughs> uh, you know, put the focus on uh, – you know, in Paul's case, Jesus, or in Jeremiah's case, Yahweh. Um, but uh, I, I think that's just a very helpful way to to start applying the book of Jeremiah. And, and yeah, we'll have plenty of chance to do that as we go through this this book. So, yeah, I mean, you've you've laid out Jeremiah as as one who he preaches and he's 
persecuted for it. The, he he mm-hmm. goes to a people that doesn't really want to listen to him, and he he survives that. He he survives all of the terrors of the Babylonian conquest. I mean, so he he is the survivor. Another thing we learn from Jeremiah, just from this opening verse here, is that he's of the priestly family. Does that mm-hmm. does that factor into the book of Jeremiah? What what do we know about this background that he gives us for his family, and and does that priestly background factor into the way he writes? That's a great question, and um, the answer is pretty much no. It hmm. doesn't factor in in a positive way. Uh, we do know uh, prophets like Ezekiel, who's from a priestly background, and you read Ezekiel, he's got a lot of priestly viewpoints and vocabulary and themes and theology. Zechariah uh, is uh, a priest, and you would read Zechariah, and you would see a lot of um, ideas, say, from the book of Leviticus. Um, Jeremiah, you read Jeremiah 1 verse 1, you say, oh, he's going to be kind of like um, these other really um, uh, 6th century prophets, although Jeremiah begins in the 7th century, he kind of straddles both centuries, right? Uh, but he's going to be like uh, an Ezekiel or a Zechariah. Even Habakkuk is probably uh, much more priestly. Joel uh, is priestly. <clears throat> but Jeremiah uh, isn't going to take deep dives into, say, the book of Leviticus or sections of uh, Exodus or Numbers. Um, what Jeremiah is going to do is he's going to critique the priests uh, and the temple. Uh, famously in chapter 7, um, and then again in chapter 26, um, he preaches against the priests and the temple, and that's where they actually want to kill him. Um, and, and one priest, his name is Pasher, in chapter 20, would be the one who put Jeremiah in stocks um, for a day and a night. Uh, so whatever we can figure out in 1 verse 1, uh, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, uh, he's, he's going to be a critique um, and a prophet against the priesthood more than some of these other prophets I had um, alluded to earlier. He mentions he, he is from Anathoth or Anathoth. I don't, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to butcher names throughout this this book. I have no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> he, he mentions over 150 different names wow. in the book. Um, so yeah, yeah, get ready. I'll get ready. Uh, Pull out my Hebrew pronunciation guide. The (laughs) the town that he's from, Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin. Where, Mm -hmm. where, um, help us get our bearings in the land of Judah. Where, where are we talking about? Yeah, Anathoth, you could go to Anathoth uh, today. It's just a, a, a northern suburb of Jerusalem. Um, so just north of Jerusalem, the, the ancient boundary would would differentiate between uh, the tribe of Judah, which is what, of course, Jerusalem is in, and then the tribe of Benjamin, um, just north of um, you know the <laughs> the line of Judah and um, present day Jerusalem. Hmm. Now, it the text notes that Jeremiah is the one. After he tells, you know, he's the son of Hilkiah and where he's from, Mm -hmm. he says he's the one to whom the word of the Lord came. Now, I I don't want to skip over those words too, too quickly. What is it? What does that mean that the word of the Lord came to him and maybe related to that or maybe part of a broader discussion? What does it even mean to, to be a prophet in the Old Testament? 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So take a look, of course, uh, it, it's wonderful theology. In, in verse 1, the words of Jeremiah, verse 2, the word of the Lord, uh, which is exactly uh, what the, the Orthodox Christian church, I mean, the, you know, the true Christian church has taught throughout the ages, that we have the words of, of men, right? And, and in, with, and under, right, the words of men would be the word of the Lord. Uh, so it's not either or, it's both and. Uh, it's the words of Jeremiah, all right, but uh, the words of Jeremiah are also the word of the Lord. Um, and we really don't have this this tight connection um, in prophetic uh, literature like this. So that's something to highlight. The word of the Lord is going to um, be dominant throughout the book of Jeremiah. Uh, over and over again, he's going to... Uh, use that phrase. Now, we, we don't know <laughs> exactly you know, how all that worked um, in, in terms of did he, did he have impressions from God or did he have dreams or um, how did any of this work? And it, it just isn't ever very clear uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, what we can say um, is that uh, God definitively revealed his will to Jeremiah and Jeremiah faithfully wrote it down. Um, now, having said that, uh, Jeremiah is going to make some very famous um, you know, assertions about God's word. Um, in fact, um, God's going to put his word in Jeremiah's mouth mm. in uh, 1 verse 9. Um and he says, I put my words in your mouth. God says that to Jeremiah. And then Jeremiah in chapter 15, 16, um, he says, when God's word came, I ate it and it became the joy and delight of my life. So Jeremiah read, Mark learned and inwardly digested God's word. Um, Jeremiah is going to um, have several occasions in his ministry where he simply doesn't want to speak God's word anymore because it's bringing him uh, isolation and a rejection uh, and a lot of pain. Um, and, and yet um, he, he keeps speaking. <laughs> um, so, for example, in uh, chapter 20, uh, Jeremiah uh, says that he's uh, really tired of speaking God's word. Uh, verse 9 in chapter 20, if I say I will not mention him or speak his name anymore. Um, I mean, that's what he's thinking about. Um, but then it goes on, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary with holding it in, and I cannot so so uh, Jeremiah doesn't want to speak God's word because it's bringing reproach, derision, uh, suffering, etc. Uh, but it's a lot like Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul says, I, I'm compelled to speak God's word. There's, I, I can't do anything else. And then Paul says in verse 16 of that chapter of 1 Corinthians 9, Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel, which is the only time Paul ever uses a woe in his uh, 13 letters. And woe means death. 
in a lot of occasions, and you'll see that a lot in Jeremiah chapter 23, where the prophet says, whoa. So this is, this is Jeremiah. He, he, he's called by God's word. He eats God's word, that is to say, inwardly digests it, and he must preach it. He's compelled. It's like a fire in his bones, he tells us. And again, we, we can um, begin to understand a little bit about uh, St. Paul, uh, because Paul, in uh, Galatians chapter 1, is going to um, compare himself uh, with Jeremiah. Uh, verse 15 uh, in Galatians 1, and then I'll stop. <laughs> but it, it says, um, uh, Paul says, when God had set me apart before I was born mm-hmm. and called me by his grace. Uh, so that's a, a direct connection with Jeremiah 1 verse 4. Oh. I'm sorry, 1 verse 5. Oh, I'd, I'd never made that connection to the book of Galatians. That's that's wonderful. The other the other thing that, that stands out to me about the word of the Lord in Jeremiah, as, as you were talking there, is that all of, and particularly the connection between the words of Jeremiah in verse one, and then the word of the Lord in verse two, is mm-hmm. that on, on I want to say multiple occasions, I can think of chapter 23 particularly, but I'm sh- I would imagine multiple occasions, Jeremiah will preach against those who claim to speak the word of the Lord, but don't. That, that's also a pretty big thing for Jeremiah. Oh, it is. It is. So in, in chapter six, and then again, uh, in chapter eight, um, he's going to quote, quote the false prophets who say, Shalom, Shalom, Velo, Shalom. Uh, which in English, uh, peace, peace when there is no peace. Uh, and then there's going to be the high noon at the OK Corral between Jeremiah and Hananiah, who is one of these uh, peace preachers uh, in chapters uh, 27 and 28. Um, yeah, no, that that's, that's a, a big idea in the book of Jeremiah. Who's a true prophet and who's a false prophet? And you can tell it really easy in Jeremiah. If you're for Babylon, you're a true prophet. Mm. <laughs> and if you're against Babylon, you're a false prophet. Uh, so it's black and white in Jeremiah. Mm. Um, who's who and what's what? How how does that I mean how then does does Jeremiah stand in the line of of other prophets and in, in terms of like who who are his contemporaries maybe you've mentioned others uh, in in all mm-hmm. so who who are his contemporaries certainly Ezekiel um, e- Ezekiel is going to be exiled um, when uh, Jehoiachin is exiled now our listeners are saying Jehoiachin. He's not in Jeremiah 1, 2, or 3. Well, that's right. So uh, Jeremiah doesn't mention uh, Jehoahaz or Jehoiachin. (laughs) Jehoahaz we can forget about. I mean, he only reigns for two months. Jehoiachin is going to be exiled um, in 597 B.C. along with Ezekiel and Jehoiachin, uh, who's also called uh, Jeconiah, uh, in, in like Matthew's genealogy in Matthew one one through seventeen, and in other sections of the Old Testament, the, the Jehoiachin is how the book ends. If you ever get to the end of Jeremiah, at the end of chapter fifty two, there's the hope because Jehoiachin. Uh, who's exiled with Ezekiel, uh, is let out of prison in, in 561 B.C. by a Babylonian king named Evil Merodach. 
Um, and th there's the hope that the Davidic line will continue, and it does. Jehoiachin has children, um, and you can read all about that, of course, as I said, in, in Matthew's genealogy. Um, so the hope um, of, of the book in Jeremiah is that the Davidic dynasty will rise again, and it will through Jehoiachin. I know that's not the question you ask, but, but Jehoiachin and, and Ezekiel uh, are, are pivotal uh, in, in one of these deportations. See, there are three of them. Daniel and his friends go in 605, then Jehoiachin and Ezekiel go. And these are the people who get the letter in chapter 29. And there's a, you know, God has... Um, you know, plans for them, et cetera, Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, you know, Daniel, let's, let's go ahead and I'm... let's take our break there, Pastor okay, Dr. Sure. Lessing. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up more of this on the other side of the break. You're listening to the introduction of the book of Jeremiah here on Sharper Iron. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233, 800-843-5233. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Tuesday, May 11th. We're studying Jeremiah 1, verses 1 to 3 with Dr. Reed Lessing. He is professor of theology and ministry at Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Also the author of a forthcoming book from Concordia Publishing House, Overcoming Life's Sorrows, the book of Jeremiah. Dr. Lessing, prior to the break, we were talking about some of Jeremiah's contemporaries. In terms of prophets, you, you mentioned Ezekiel, and I think you were starting to mention Daniel before we went to the break. No, exactly. Right. So uh, Daniel and his uh, friends, right, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, are exiled by the Babylonians in 605. Uh, so Daniel and Ezekiel then are contemporaries of Jeremiah. Daniel and Ezekiel would be exiles, um, and they're writing from Babylon. Uh, whereas uh, Jeremiah, as you said earlier, he's he's uh, watching it all happen before his very eyes. The it being the uh, the demise of the Davidic state and the kingdom of Judah. So, with that it in mind, this demise of of Judah at the hands of Babylon, which is really the central event in the book of Jeremiah. Let's let's try to get our our bearings here again, politically, particularly. So. Jeremiah starts his ministry in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, which I think you said, I wrote it down, 627 BC. Is that correct? correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. So what's what's going on in the kingdom of Judah at that time? What's, what's this initial setting for J Jeremiah's ministry? Yeah. So as I said, uh, Josiah, godly king. It, it, we could almost call this the the Silver Age of Judah, with uh, Solomon's reign being the the Golden Age, the Davidic Solomonic era, the the Golden Age. So Josiah comes along, and uh, things are uh, really on the uptick. 
uh, not only uh, politically, but mostly spiritually, as we said. Um, Josiah's Reformation, the, the book of the, the law that they found, which was probably the book of Deuteronomy, and they read it and they said, oh, my gosh, uh, we need to repent. Um, but then things started changing. Um, uh, oh, about uh, 612 B.C., all right? Uh, 612 BC, uh, the Babylonians destroyed the Assyrian capital of Nineveh, modern day Mosul in northern Iraq. Um, and so now there's just a, a, a fight of heavyweights, Assyrian Babylon, because Assyria, Nineveh was destroyed, but the Assyrian army was still uh, ready to fight. Uh, so Josiah is going to be pro Assyria. All right, and anti-Babylon. Um, and so Josiah goes to help the Assyrians, uh, and um, he then is killed by the Egyptians <laughs> who are trying to um, defeat the Babylonians. So the Assyrian-Egyptian coalition uh, kills Josiah at Megiddo. It's a famous uh, battle. You go to Megiddo today. It's a great archaeological site in Israel, um, and that happened in 609 B.C. Mm. So then who's still standing? Uh, well, the Babylonians and the Egyptian-Assyrian coalition is still standing. <clears throat> and uh, so these... <clears throat> Uh, three nations kind of meet uh, at the very famous Battle of Carchemish in 605 BC, where Babylon finally crushed the Assyrian-Egyptian coalition. Uh, and really, since, um, you know, for Jeremiah, 605 BC going forward, it's it's a Babylonian world. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, with, with Josiah's death in 609 and then 605, the Battle of Car- Carchemish, where Babylon really establishes itself as the world power. Is that kind of the beginning of the end for Judah? I mean, in terms of Jeremiah's ministry? It it really is. It really is. Um, Because what happens then is um, the the two most prominent kings after the the death of Josiah, we we talked about Jehoahaz and Jehoiachin, um, but then we have Jehoiakim, not to be confused with Chin, uh, I realize it can, it's like Elijah and Elisha, That's right. right? These yeah. actually are two different people. Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, two different people. Uh, Jehoiakim and then Zedekiah, at, at different times, um, they <clears throat> try to revolt against the Babylonians because the Egyptians, all right, the Egyptians who lost with the Assyrians to the Battle of Carchemish, it's not like the Babylonians just wiped Egypt off the map. The Babylonians wiped Assyria off the map. Um, But Egypt, I mean, the land of the Nile, they just kind of went back home and licked their wounds, and they were still a nation. So Egypt keeps trying to coax these Judean kings like Jehoiakim and Zedekiah, hey, Join us, and we will defeat the Babylonians. And that's, I don't know, that's kind of like you and me, you know, a two-man basketball team saying, yeah, we can beat the Boston Celtics or something. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. 
So this is politically, this is what's going on. And the Babylonians said, we've had enough of, of uh, Judah uh, fostering uh, Egyptian uh, uh, hopes. So we're going to crush Judah. Uh, theologically, this happens because uh, Jehoiakim and Zedekiah, um, they're not trusting uh uh, the Lord, uh, and they're not being uh, true to the first commandment. Um, yeah, and, and uh, out of the two, uh, Jehoiakim is much worse. He's the guy in the black hat in the book of Jeremiah. He's the guy in chapter 36 um, who has um, one of his scribes named Jehudi uh, tear up Jeremiah's sermon. Um, and then Jeremiah just he it, it's a great text at the end of chapter 36. He he uh, dictates the sermon again to his amanuensis uh, named Baruch. Uh, and it says, and many similar uh, words were added. So you mess with Jeremiah's sermon once and the next one's going to be longer. <laughs> um, yeah. So Jehoiakim just despises Jeremiah uh, because Jeremiah's pro-Babylon. See, uh, that's the way God's going to uproot, tear down, destroy, and overthrow, right? Um, in chapter 1, verse 10 uh, of Jeremiah. Uh, there will be building and planting, but um, uh, Babylon's going to do its work. Zedekiah, then, on the other hand, is, is more ambivalent. He, he has um, uh, some sympathies for Jeremiah, but then the next day he, he puts him in prison, and then he gets out, and then the next day, I mean, I'm, I'm being facetious a little bit, but with all within the window of, of 580, BC. Then Zedekiah puts Jeremiah into a waterless pit. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, everything's. Oh, go ahead. Go well, ahead. I was just, I was just say. So all of this is is moving us toward that main event, which happens in 587 BC, the right. con, the conquest of Babylon. And mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, it, when I reflect on this event, I think it, it's hard for for me living 2,500 years plus after the event in a different context to fully. A grasp just how significant and horrific and heart wrenching of an event this was. Oh, right. can, can you can you give right. us a, a feel for what well for, I mean what happened in this conquest and then what that did to the people of Judah? Right. So Zedekiah, uh, we we can just begin there uh, since he's in our uh, reading today and he's the last Judean Davidic king. Um, he is uh, captured by the Babylonians and uh, brought to uh, a place called Riblah in modern-day Syria, where uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, who uh, casts a large shadow right over the books of Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and others, uh, at Riblah, Nebuchadnezzar uh, has uh, Zedekiah's four sons uh, butchered in front of him. And these are not old sons. Zedekiah is maybe 35 at this time. Mm. I mean, he doesn't, he, he's got like little kids probably. I mean, he might have some teenagers, but so these kids are, are executed in, in front of Zedekiah's eyes. And then his, his eyes are gouged out and he's led blind uh, into exile in Babylon. So, so your leader uh, and his family uh, have just suffered great atrocities. The high priest Sariah is executed on the spot. Um, 
And uh, the leading people then uh, would be exiled again, right? So this is the the third exile. Uh, Daniel in the first wave, Ezekiel in the second wave, this is the third wave. Uh, They were always taking the brightest in the past, uh, to, to Babylon, and they just left uh, kind of poor, uh, aimless people uh, in Judah. And of course, Solomon's temple was destroyed. Uh, imagine, uh, you know, just seeing a foreign army just um, reaping havoc. And and I'll stop with this. So the um, the Babylonians uh, uh, fostered and. Um, and use something called ecocide, all right? That's when you destroy the environment. Uh, most foreign armies come in, they rape, they pillage, they they knock down uh, architecture, right? Um, but the Babylonians destroyed the, the agriculture, the land, the crops, the fruit trees, the fig trees, the olive trees, everything. It was scorched earth. And the, the um, Assyrians didn't do that. Um, no one else did that. The Persians didn't do that, but the Babylonians did that. Yeah. So, so I mean, that might give us a bit of a feel for things. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's been a couple of years now. We, we went through the book of Lamentations in an adult Bible study here at Grace. And I mean, oh, if, you, uh-huh. if you read Lamentations, that, that's, that starts to get you close, I think, to oh, it does. The, the feel for, I mean, because again, this is something that Jeremiah himself went through. I mean, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not something that he was, you know, it wouldn't be like, you know, Jeremiah preaching, say, to Egypt and watching Egypt fall from afar. This right, is Jeremiah preaching right. to his own people and then actually right, falling right. with them. Right. And, and what is so interesting is that when all of this is happening um, in chapter 32, Jeremiah is in prison. Uh, so you can only imagine being in prison in any age is, is uh, got to be hell. Uh, but in antiquity, you were just fending for yourself. Uh, and what does Jeremiah do? <laughs> he buys a field from his cousin Hanamel in Anathoth. Yeah, we're back to Anathoth, um, which is Jeremiah's way to put his money where his mouth is. There will be a hope and a future. Uh, there will be building and planning. Babylon is not the end. Um, yeah, so the chapter 32 is a, a great uh, chapter of hope. Um, yeah. In terms of the, the book of Jeremiah then, I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about the historical context, the political theological context. In terms of the book, you, you've referenced on several occasions, you know, chapters here and there, mm-hmm. and, and it's a long book. You were telling me this is the longest book in the Old Testament in terms of a word count. Like Isaiah's got more chapters, but there's more words in Jeremiah. Is that how we're measuring oh, it? Oh, sure. So Jeremiah's longest book in the Bible, word for word. So, yeah. and we're going to, we're going to spend, you know, three months in this book. How, how do we get a handle on the book as a whole? What, how would we outline the book? How do we, and, and one of the things I'll just say it, you know, that it's not chronological and it's ordering. How, how do we put the book together as a whole? Yeah. And it, it, it isn't strictly chronological. Maybe would be a good way to put it. Uh, but it is in a general sense, chronological. Um, a bit, but it, it's certainly not, <laughs> you know, uh, this happened and that happened. Uh, so chapter one would be the, the, the call. Um, the word of the Lord comes to him, um, not only, you know, 
through the word, but also through uh, three visions in the the last half of chapter one. Um, and then so the three the three visions coupled with um, the audible word of God is, you know, chapter one, one to ten. And then we have the visual word of God, chapter one, eleven through uh, nineteen. So that's a nice introduction to the whole book. Uh, then from two to twenty four, we're going to see mostly Jeremiah's internal life. This is where a lot of poetry would be his famous lament. Laments begin in chapter um, 11 and, and, and are sprinkled uh, up until chapter 20. Um, chapter 25 then would be the hinge. Uh, that is to say, a lot of the themes uh, in chapter 1, like God's word, um, is going, they will appear again uh, in chapter 25. Um, and then 26 through 51 would be mostly uh, historical events. Uh, so you go from the internal struggles of Jeremiah 2 through 24, uh, 26 through 51, a lot of his um, uh, life and times. He's like a cat with nine lives. He just keeps coming back. Um, and then chapter 52 uh, would uh, parallel, as we said, I think earlier, Second um, Kings chapter 25, and that would be uh, the downfall of uh, Judah and Jerusalem. And as I said, the book ends with hope uh, through Jehoiachin and his ancestors. In terms of the the themes that are present in the book of Jeremiah, we, we've already mentioned this theme of Jeremiah as the the survivor. Mm-hmm. What what are some of the the themes and, and not to not to be cliche, but both law and gospel themes that we see in the book of Jeremiah? Right, right. Well, as I said, the the, the it's <laughs> it's a law and gospel book from one uh, ten uh, where. Uh, God has sent him over nations, a king to pluck up, break down, destroy, overthrow. Those are all law words. Those are Babylonian words. But then to build in a plant. Uh, so I, I would point out that, that this phrase and, and uh, these words will be sprinkled throughout the book. All right. Um, so chapter one, verse 10 really provides a nice overall framework. Um, disasters normally happen in the blink of an eye uh, or overnight. Um, but to survive them, uh, it, it's going to take a long time. See, so when you look at these verbs at the end of uh, one ten to build and a plant, it takes a while to build. Uh, and when you plant, you're always going to, you know, reap the harvest in a different season. Uh, and so I, I take great uh, comfort in, in those. Uh, there's actually six Hebrew infinitive constructs, um, you know, for our law to our gospel. But the law, destroy, overthrow, I mean, just we all know that most disasters happen quickly, but to recover takes a lot of time. Um, the building and planting then are, are going to be and um, a, a very important chapter just to kind of understand the whole book would be chapter 24. Uh, it's another vision um, and 
Uh, it's a vision about good figs and bad figs. Uh, and the upshot of all of it is the hope in the future would be for the exiles. See, the, the people who have gone through the, the flames of destruction, the people who have made this journey 700 miles along the Fertile Crescent from Jerusalem to Babylon. It's the people who suffer, to put New Testament term, uh, terms upon it, the people who take up their cross and, and, and follow Jesus. These are the people who are the good figs, all right, who, who God says, I'll give them a heart to know who I am. They're my people. I'll be their God. Um, that all that is to say is that Jeremiah himself then is exiled uh, to Egypt. Uh, so the Egyptian exiles, the Babylonian exiles, these are the people um, who go through the flames of uh, the purging flames of exile. And those are God's people. And then I'll just say one more thing about this. Historically, all of the, the great leaders in this uh, section of the Old Testament, they all come from Babylon. They're all in Babylon. So Daniel, Ezekiel, Zechariah, Haggai, Ezra, Nehemiah, Joshua, the high priest, uh, they, they all are in Babylon, um, which is just a very comforting idea and, and a promise from God's heart. Uh, that suffering produces character. This is uh, Romans uh, uh, 5, verse 4. Uh, that's, that's the book of Jeremiah, uh, centered in chapter 24. Yeah. You yeah. mentioned earlier that there are a lot of names in the book of Jeremiah, and we've seen some of them today. In terms of the uh, those people, who would you say are the, the main characters? Who are the people we need to know to understand the book of Jeremiah? Yeah, and I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. There's, he mentions 50 different names. I said 150. Woe is me. Woe is me. Uh, so 50 different names. Who are the main characters? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've read several books on Jeremiah, and um, in addition to the obvious, right, Jeremiah and the, the kings that, that we have um, already mentioned, um, it, for the first time in chapter 36, I, I alluded to this, his uh, amanuensis, his secretary named Baruch, Baruch uh, is going to be a, a, a major person toward the end of the book. All right. So we'd want to um, um, make, make sure we know who Baruch is. <laughs> He's kind of if Jeremiah is the Lone Ranger, Baruch is Tonto or something <laughs> or Jeremiah's Batman. Baruch is Robin. Okay. He's kind of his sidekick. Um, really, other than and, and I'll just say this is um People who study the book of Jeremiah um, also uh, would mention God's word as having um, kind of its its own category because it's so prominent. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but that and that makes so, that makes good sense. That I mean, God. I, I'm glad you said that. That the word of the Lord would would even be a. a this is how the Lord is going to interact with His right, people right. is mm -hmm. is through that word that He's preaching mm -hmm, through mm -hmm. Jeremiah. And I think that's that's a yeah. that's a that's a good a good point. So we've got about five minutes here, and the the last thing I, I want to 
ask you and talk about is, is how do we see Christ in the book of Jeremiah? Where, I mean, particular texts, where do mm-hmm. we see Christ? And then it, in the book as a whole, how does, how does this book point us to Christ as our hope? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, one of my favorite verses uh, in Matthew's gospel, since, you know, I've studied um, Jeremiah a little bit, would be in Matthew chapter 16. Um, and uh, Jesus has his disciples way north of the Sea of Galilee in a place called Caesarea Philippi. He famously asked um, his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And I'm reading from Matthew Sixteen, fourteen. some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah, what was it about Jesus that uh, brought some people to recognize Jeremiah? Um, well, Jeremiah is, is the weeping, suffering prophet, no doubt about that. And, and people can recognize that in Jesus. Uh, Jeremiah also has a great um, affinity for for people, uh, especially the you know the people who are left in the land after uh, 587 BC. And 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 Jesus, of course, has a great affinity for the least, the last, and the lost. But I would say Jeremiah's. Um, greatest connection with with Jesus would be to go back to chapter 32, where Jeremiah makes a this huge risky investment, a real estate uh, investment, and and that's Jesus. Jesus goes uh, throughout his ministry, uh, pouring his life into risky investments, and that would be uh, Tim, you, and me, and all people. Right. Um, Jeremiah bought the field with 17 shekels of silver, but we know that we are um, not bought with silver or gold, but with Christ's uh, precious blood and innocent suffering and death. That that is is one, uh, probably not uh, always on people's minds. The the most uh, well-known section, right, in um, Jeremiah would be chapter 23, uh, where uh, God tells Jeremiah that uh, God's going to raise up for David a righteous branch, um, and this branch is going to have a name. Uh, the Lord is our righteousness, right? Um, and uh, that's just a wonderful name for the Messiah uh, that Paul picks up on, no doubt, in Second Corinthians 5.21. He who had no sin became sin for us so that in him, that is Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God, right? The declaration of not guilty, so that's in chapter 23, verses uh, 5 and 6. It's such a good, I mean, good things are worth repeating, right? Uh, so Jeremiah pretty much repeats the same uh, promises uh, in uh, chapter 33 uh, about the uh, the righteous branch and the Lord is our righteousness. Uh, that'd be in 33, uh, 14, uh, and 15. Uh, so those are the the, the main uh, messianic connections, uh, and much unlike right Isaiah. I mean Isaiah, like every other page, there's a messianic uh, promise. Jeremiah, not so much, um, but there's still so much hope um, in the book. And as I said, that's how the book ends with Jehoiachin, right, um, uh, getting out of prison, and there's. Um, the Davidic 
dynasty will continue, uh, and it will find its consummation in Jesus of Nazareth. Mm. Yeah, hope hope for the heartless, those who have, have lost, who are, I mean, as you said in your book title, Overcoming Life's Sorrows, that's where Jeremiah is going to point us, is to the Davidic mm-hmm. King, Jesus Christ. Dr. Reed Lessing serves as professor of theology and ministry at Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota, also the author of a forthcoming book from CPH, Overcoming Life's Sorrows, the book of Jeremiah. Dr. Lessing, thanks for being our guest to introduce the book of Jeremiah today. I really appreciate it, Um, Tim. Good to uh, banter back and forth with you on this marvelous book and the word of the Lord in Jeremiah. Looking forward to going through it over the next three months here on Sharp Iron. I am your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about the book of Jeremiah, get in touch with us. Use the new KFUO app. You can download it in the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store, and it has an open mic feature. You click on that. You can send a 60-second message, send your questions, your comments, your feedback. We'd love to hear from you here on Sharper Iron. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.